also had some moral battles that left him broken and deeply aware of his own sinfulness. He slipped and fell into a major pit when his adultery with Bathsheba led him to murder her husband. And yet, even there, David managed to find the forgiveness of God and restored relationship. So when he says he forgives our sins, he he knew what he was talking about. He also knew that the grace of God that satisfied his uh, desires uh, with good things was something tangible. And also that it renewed his youth like the eagles. Further, all that he knows about God assures him that God is working righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. So this is God's character shining through, right? Righteousness is the foundation of his throne, we read. And he works justice for those on the bottom side of the order, those who are getting exploited and uh, whose land gets expropriated and uh, who get pressed down. God's interested in a just world. David goes on to acknowledge the way that God revealed himself to Moses. So he's mulling over the, the history of Israel and this revelation that, uh, that God has made of himself. And he can see from that story that God is full of compassion and grace. He's slow to get angry and he abounds in love. He recognizes that he will not always accuse But by the same token, he won't harbor his anger forever. I think what he's saying here is that God is not in a rush to get to judgment. But his kindness and his justice find a a place of almost conflict in there. Because how can he simply be kind when there's so much injustice. And there is a cry deep in the human heart for justice. So sometimes he has to bring it and step in. But in his kindness, says David, he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. There's this theme David acknowledging his own brokenness and knowing that he hadn't received what he deserved. He'd received grace. He'd received mercy. And in that, he, he can stand tall. He recognized that flowing through this whole relationship of God with the people of Israel and his own relationship with God, there's love at the center He says his love for us is as vast as the distance between heaven and earth. It's massive. And he removes our transgressions as far as the east is from the west, as Wayne reminded us already this morning in prayer. There's a distance that God puts between us and our sin. Some of you this morning perhaps have never discovered that God forgives. 
Perhaps you're just sitting here feeling guilty and oppressed and down. Because of the cross where Jesus died, God has taken into himself all your sin. And he wants to forgive you. And he wants you to be able to stand up tall, aware that your sins are forgiven and removed from you as far as the east is from the west. And then he goes on to say, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Remember, we're talking about the Father Almighty here. Back in the 1980s, I know, I know, a long time ago, as some of us were around, back in the 1980s, Floyd McClung was working with YWAM in Amsterdam. And uh, he was working in the the notorious red light uh, area of that city. And he noticed that any time he mentioned God as father, what he got from the prostitutes that he was working with was an almost visceral reaction of repulsion. And as he thought about it and tried to understand what was going on, he realized that most of these women had had absolutely terrible relationships with their own fathers. Many of them had been abused by them, sexually abused, uh, unloved, driven out of their homes, and they found themselves in this terrible place of being prostitutes, largely because of the impact of their fathers on them. So when he, as as a missionary, was trying to tell them about God and explain God to them, and told, told them that God was their father, they went, fathers, I'm through with fathers. Fathers are the last thing I need. It's not just prostitutes, though, is it? Because many of us in this room have had challenging relationships with our fathers I think we all have really high expectations of what our fathers can be for us. We want them to be the ones who will love us and affirm us, will tell us we're wonderful, will hug us and hold us. And yet, so many of us have not had that experience In my own case, my dad was 19 when the war broke out. And he spent the most formative years of his life, seven years, going through all kinds of battles and traumas and getting blown up in a tank and the three other guys dying. And when my dad came back from the war, my dad had had so much emotional wreckage in his life that I'm amazed that he managed to hold it together at all. He was a good dad. I think he loved me. I don't actually remember him telling me that he loved me. He grew up in England, and we didn't get all wishy-washy and emotional. Uh, We didn't say things like, I love you, uh, at, at that age and stage. 
But does that leave me wanting more from my dad? Yeah. And many of you, I know, have other stories, stories of dads. It isn't that they were all bad, but they just couldn't quite give us what the one thing was that we really perhaps needed. Some of our fathers have done us actual harm. Others have been distant physically or emotionally. But as we think about our own fathers, instead of holding on to bitterness against them, some of whom, and it's worth remembering that many of our fathers were victims themselves of their own fathers, right? (laughs) This comes down a line, this fathering stuff. And how do you father when you haven't had it modeled to you well? So our own fathers often didn't necessarily have good role models and were perhaps struggling because they hadn't been fathered. But, but the answer here is not to lay blame, although I think it's probably very important that we all acknowledge some of these gaps and spaces that we are experiencing. But it, it's not to focus in on that. It's actually to get our eyes up and to focus on the compassion and love and mercy of the Almighty Father. He's the one who loves us and as prodigals all. He's the one who welcomes us into his outstretched arms when battered, weary, and desolate, we head for home. This is the good news of the gospel. He is the Father who, as Paul reminds us in Ephesians is the one from whom all fatherhood takes its name. Think about that, all of you who are fathers here. As fathers, we are seeking to be like the ultimate father. He's the model. Do we fail? Yes, we do. Some of you are fathers here today. Some of us were talking the other week and we were talking about fatherhood and what it means and some of the realities of the fathers that we live with or have lived with. And we also talked about the fear that we will become the fathers that we don't want to become like. And that's real. But the good news here, get our eyes off the earthly line and onto the heavenly one. He is the Father Almighty. He's good. He's loving. He's kind. He cares for us. He welcomes us home. He embraces us. He reminds us and whispers to us in the dark nights of our souls that He is alive, that He is good, He is loving. Despite our own transience and fragility, David reminds us that God's love is from everlasting to everlasting. We come and go, but His love remains the one constant. Those who are enfolded in His covenant love get to experience His love down the generations. They see that, wow, this can move on down and bless the generations that follow because He's constant and He's good. 
They know him to be the king who rules from heaven. And they experience the coming of his kingdom on earth. David wraps up this beautiful psalm with an invitation for all the created orders to praise the great king. From the mighty angels and archangels to all who serve God wherever they are. And all the created works of God. And Christians believe that the world shouts the reality of the Creator. And it's interesting that uh, many people, when they first come to know Jesus, have a kind of almost surreal experience of an awareness of the world in a different way. Because it's like their eyes are suddenly open to the beauty and the wonder of the way it all fits together and the understanding that it's actually all God that built it, created it, put it together and has fitted it together in such a way. So that's Psalm 103. It's just one of the places in the Bible that we could go to flesh out the core belief in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Because God is so much greater than us, the best we're ever going to get is an approximation of his greatness and majesty. Rather like the understanding that an ant would have of an elephant. So if ants can't properly understand the full scale of an elephant, nor can we properly understand the full scale and majesty and glory of God the Father. But that doesn't mean that our approximation is misplaced. It's just inadequate. We're too small to be able to do God justice in terms of our capacity even to understand how great and majestic he actually is. So what does this doctrine, God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, actually mean for us? At the heart of knowing God personally is the discovery that we are truly loved. I don't know all of you here. I know some of you here. I don't know what struggles you're dealing with at the moment, what chaos you may be going through. But I do know that life is complicated and it's a crazy world out there and there are new complications with coronaviruses and ah, new things to get anxious and worried about. But I do know that God, the Father Almighty, sees you. And he bends his ear to listen to your cries. He is good, he is loving, he is kind, and can be trusted. I thought I'd finish this morning with a word about atheism. We're looking at belief, and uh, Christian belief in particular. So what about atheism? Atheists believe that there is no such person as God. If you're an atheist here this morning, uh, welcome, good to have you here. 
Uh, and, and if I'm uh, misrepresenting you, come and uh, argue with me afterwards. I, I, I look forward to that. But here, here's the thing about atheists. Atheists readily accept a scientific explanation of the origins of the universe in terms of the Big Bang. But here's the thing, this is my view at least. They fail to see that such an explanation simply enthrones blind chance as the ultimate God. Now, for me, the challenge here is that the faith required to believe in chance as the creator and originator of all the incredible complexity of, to take one example, one human baby. The faith required to believe chance put all that together is actually much greater than the faith required to believe in an almighty God with the creativity, power, and love to call such a baby into, an exist, into existence. So if you're an atheist here this morning, I want to salute you. I think you're actually a person of great faith. Perhaps more faith than I have. But this morning, if that is you, I would just challenge you with this Christian teaching about the Almighty Father, the Maker, and His goodness and His grace and His ability to love us individually. And I just throw out to you the challenge, if you are an atheist here this morning, isn't there something interesting about a God who cares and loves and calls into being? And I just want to let you know this morning that he's interested in relationship with you because he made you. And you can deny it by all means. But it's invitation. Invitation in to the life and the possibility of God getting close to us, which is actually an experience that many people in this room share. When we sing and worship God, we're not just worshiping our imagination. We're worshiping someone who knows us and who loves us and forgives us and gives us strength to live day by day. Well, I hope it's going to be an interesting journey as we push in through the creed and, and look at these things that Christians believe. And I hope that it's invitational. Come on in. Come on in further to the knowledge of God, the knowledge of His grace and His love and His mercy. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you are good, loving, and kind, and 